Hello, everyone, and welcome to this bonus episode of Irenicast. As we mentioned on Tuesday's episode, we are going to be doing something a little special today because today is International Podcast Day. We want to celebrate with all other podcasters around the world and provide our listeners with a bonus episode. And I'm really excited about this bonus episode. Alan and Mona couldn't make it, as I mentioned on Tuesday, but... I have brought back Adam, who we had on a couple episodes ago, and then he was on before that. So, Adam, welcome. Thank you, Jeff. It's good to be here. Number three. Number three. You were already our first, like, repeat guest host, and now you're three-peating. So, you should feel special. Try not to screw it up. This is is quite the celebration. And with me also, and again, um, for the second time, uh, Dylan Van Lant, who was on our 19th episode on mental health, and he shared a little bit of his story. So, Dylan, welcome back to the podcast. It's been a while. Thank you. It's good to be back. And I got to say, if you are listening right now and you want to know more about Dylan, you need to check the show notes and go to castedkitchen.com because they have an amazing blog on cast iron cooking that I personally follow and have tried many recipes because I'm also a cast iron aficionado. Aficionado. I guess that's the right word, right? So, we'll have his information and blog right there. So, um, Dylan, anything else you want to share about yourself as we move forward for those that haven't heard you on a previous episode? Um, not a whole lot. I currently live in Santa Barbara. I have a tech job in downtown Santa Barbara, and I am a a movie buff. I love movies, and so I'm excited to be on here to uh, talk about God's Not Dead. Yes, so that is what we, we are going to be doing today. We're going to we we all watched um (laughs) this movie god's not dead it came out a few years ago and it's recently had a sequel and we just thought this would be a fun thing to do is is there's not a lot of good criticism for christian movies that's anyway i guess we don't really need to explain that but we just thought it'd be fun to (laughs) (laughs) we just thought it'd be fun to take apart uh, a movie and talk about its themes especially within the context of irenicast so something a little different something to be fun and celebrate but also you know, we'll touch on some themes that are pretty serious. So let's listen to this, uh, what this movie is a little bit about. And then on the other side, we will, we will start to deconstruct it in many ways, I'm sure. You prayed and believed your whole life. And here you are. Explain that to me. What do you say to people that are offended by your show? Because you pray to Jesus in every episode. If we disown him, he'll disown us. When a 12-year-old watches his mother dying of cancer, a God who would allow that is not worth believing in. Life is really a tale told by an idiot full of sound and fury and signifying nothing. I am Professor Radisson. This is Philosophy 150. I would like to bypass senseless debate altogether and jump to the conclusion which every sophomore is already aware of. There is no God. All that I require from each of you is that you fill in the papers I've just given you with three Little words, God is dead. Mr. Wheaton, is something wrong? I can't do what you want, I'm a Christian. If you cannot bring yourself to admit that God is dead, then you will need to defend the antithesis. So your acceptance of this challenge may be the only meaningful exposure to God and Jesus they'll ever have. To me, he's not dead. I don't want anyone to get talked out of believing in him just because some professor thinks they should. Mr. Wheaton, are you ready? So 
science supports his existence, you know the truth. So why do you hate him? It's a very simple question. Why do you hate God? He's not dead, he's surely alive. He's so if you can't tell from the trailer that you just heard, uh, this movie is basically an entire movie based off an old sermon illustration slash email where the Christian student is in the class of an atheist and the professor says that I can prove that God does not exist and holds up a piece of chalk and says, if this chalk falls to the ground, it's going to break and God is not going to stop it. And then the Christian stands up and says, I believe in God. And the the chalk falls and hits the professor's church shirt and rolls down and then doesn't break and hits the floor and the professor runs away embarrassed and stuff like that. I heard that illustration or that thing many times in youth group. And that's basically the basis of this, this movie. It's about a Christian kid who goes to university the first time and is targeted by an atheist professor. And he stands up and proves that God exists, that God is not dead, that there is a possibility of the divine out there in the world. Did I miss anything? That's basically summing it up right yeah it was extremely convincing it was yeah your I, summary i feel closer <laughs> to god oh no yeah oh the <laughs> 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 so let, let's start with uh the good what what good what was good about this movie in anyone's perspective uh, i can go first i thought it was pretty ironic that there was two actors in there who played demigods in other series true and we had both atheists so i thought that was pre- pretty funny <laughs> yeah so the the professor was played by the guy who played hercules in that old like daytime it was the it was the show that spun off xena warrior princess right exactly yeah and then we had superman superman himself from lois and clark dean kane as a as a douchey corporate <laughs> <laughs> totally heartless <laughs> yeah it's the cardboard heartless so that, that's yeah. that's one thing i will say is that Despite everything, and despite the reputation of those shows in regular media, the, the acting was actually way better than I've ever seen in a Christian film so far. It was, it wasn't, there wasn't any line except for the people that came in as guests, which they had newsboys as a guest and I guess yeah. a plot device and the Duck Dynasty guy. So a couple cameos of people that aren't traditionally actors, but overall it was, it was, it was acted fairly well for what it was. I've got a couple things too. I think, um, in general, based on, and I've seen a number of, uh, when, I, when I was younger, especially too, a lot of these films that were made specifically and targeted at a Christian audience um, are sold for their family values or, I mean, similar to like radio where it's, you know, it's safe. Um, you're not going to see any or hear any cussing um, and nothing compromised. Um, so overall, I think the production value of the movie is elevated way above the the other movies that I've seen. The other movies that would fall into that Christian category. Um, from yeah, in general, the whole the whole thing, production value and, and acting, I thought was good as well. One of the other points I thought was uh, surprising to me that I really uh, was glad it was in there is that the overall like scientific look at stuff um, seemed to be open. I mean, I guess I'm just saying that I was really happy that they weren't espousing like young earth creationism like in in the um kids defense or whatever of god when he's talking about it he actually opens up some science that's you know hey the earth is really really old and maybe that is how you know god did things but it's described this way so even just the allowance that maybe the earth has been around for a couple billion or multiple billions of years or the universe at least maybe that that's that just really surprised me and i thought wow that's that's awesome that they're at least acknowledging that um, Interesting. I took it the other way. I took it that they didn't want to get into that because they knew that sounded crazy. So they just kind of didn't really go for it. 
You know what I mean? Like it was, it was, it wasn't like an admission that, or that's how I felt. It wasn't yeah. an admission that the the world was billions of years old or the universe was billions of years old, but it was a like let's just not get into this part. So we'll just kind of skirt past it. We want we want to use Genesis, but we don't want to use all. Yeah. Of well, and I did find out there were young Earth creationists that were not very happy with the movie because it even allowed for it to be acknowledged, kind of for, from other films that I feel like it would just highly, you know fundamental in their approach it was like, Very okay true. well at least, point. at least there are people in this movie who aren't you know it wasn't an entirely all-white cast um well we'll get into that yeah. later <laughs> <laughs> i'm stretching i'm really trying <laughs> to find goodness. some halfway good things so that when i you know it doesn't completely come across as horribly biased dylan what about you anything um, take away that i was thought good? I thought the movie did a really good job at identifying what white privilege is because the biggest struggle <laughs> this guy's had in his life is him disagreeing with his professor in his freshman college class. So true, true. That's uh, I, I will give them. I, I will give them the opening. I thought the opening was was well done in the sense, from a filmmaking perspective, from the sense that they did a good job of without dialogue giving you at least a picture of the main characters within the movie. Sure. As one dimensional as they are, and we'll get into the characters as much. At the very least, they did they did a fair amount in the beginning of some good showing and not telling. So I'll Absolutely. I'll give them that. Yeah. So, what? <laughs> I man, I got a list here of things. Um, let's start with the since we've kind of already addressed it. Let's start with the fact that you are correct in saying that it wasn't. Um, an all-white cast. It was a diverse cast. However, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that diversity was extremely stereotypical. Uh, so, for instance, we had one black guy. Well, I guess two, but one black guy from Africa with an African accent. That was kind of more on the side plot. Um, and then one black guy in class who referred to himself as G-Dog. And I can't tell if they were trying to be clever and playing off of, like, God spelled backwards or if they just... <laughs> It was horrible. Uh, they have an Asian guy who is smart and tested out of math and chemistry. And then we had a Muslim family in there as well who, uh, oh man, I don't even know where to start. Any, any thoughts on, on these characters? I just I thought it was impressive that within 10 minutes, they were able to paint so many clear racial stereotypes right away. Um, and just these, yeah, soundbite or yeah, image real quickly. Here you go. It was tough. It was really yeah. hard to sit through that right away. It was. It was almost embarrassing. Yeah, especially yeah. the 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 Muslim character who she's mm. driving in a car with her dad and like is adjusting her her head covering, and uh, then it cuts to her leaving the car and waiting for her dad to drive away, and then she takes it off, and then later she comes back waiting for her dad to pick her up from college, mind you. Like this isn't high school, so, <laughs> um, and then waiting for her dad to come, and there's this scene where she starts to put on her head covering and some redheaded pasty white girl says you're so beautiful i wish you didn't have to do that so i mean ongoing in the story this this girl uh has at some point converted to christianity through bill through franklin graham messages on her ipod <laughs> knockoff ipad our pod yeah yeah, yeah. Was, yeah. Uh, <laughs> well it's interesting the scenes that they decided to use so this muslim girl who I guess has converted to Christianity at some point and she fell asleep listening to Franklin Graham, which is good. I mean, that's a good part of the movie, right? That that's realistic. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, her little brother, like 
she goes into a room and her little brother looks at the door and seriously they they filmed it like a horror film yeah. right yeah like it's absolutely. all of a sudden the music gets all dark and it's like dung and like he's looking at the door and it cuts to him and it cuts to her in a sleep and i wasn't sure what he was planning on yeah. doing because he opened the door <laughs> and he's just staring at her while she sleeps like it was really off-putting feeling like what is he gonna do and all he did was take the ipod and then eventually you know she told him don't tell dad and then eventually she did and her dad beats the crap out of her and like stares at her outside the door after kicking her out and holding her throat and then goes in and like cries it was weird because i don't know what they were trying to accomplish with that and then a point before that the muslim father gave this speech that if you replaced it with a pastor of a church it would have been like the the tear-jerking salvation moment of the movie because he talks about how you need to worship God and these people don't know who God is and all this kind of stuff. And if you just took the words and put those same words into one of the pastors, it would have been an inspiring moment. So it was really, it was really odd how they, how they handled that whole thing. Absolutely. I agree. I think that's, that's one of the things I noticed, like you could have copied and pasted his words and into pretty much any other point in the movie, you know, and it's, it would seem like he was supposed to be the good guy. Yeah, it's a really unfortunate portrayal of of a Muslim family in the U.S. Yeah, and it was interesting because in that particular speech, too, I felt like, oh, maybe this is like showing him in a positive light, like this this kind of dedication um, to his to his religion, to his family. Um, but then, yeah, to kind of, I don't know, to throw that in with this contrasting you know, yeah, it went back and forth. It was weird. Because you're like, your initial nonverbal introduction to him was this, he's this overbearing father taken to his daughter to college and fixing her head covering. And then he has this real sincere, heartfelt speech with her about following God, or I guess Allah. And then later, beats the crap out of her, throws her outside, and then cuts to him like weeping on in the stairwell after he did that. So it was like this back and forth, and you weren't sure what they were trying to to do there at all yeah absolutely that that was very out of place in the film because i think every other character is so one-dimensional and there's no guesswork for the audience as to who is a good person and who is a bad person and so that was that seemed very oddly juxtaposed yeah it felt like everyone who was either a non-christian or everyone who was a christian and pre-christian had depth and range as a person like they go from bad to good but everyone who was not a Christian or wasn't going to be a Christian was just a complete ass. Mm. But, you know, I guess they needed the Muslim girl because then we see at the end that she becomes the the love interest, sort of, right? Yeah. Yeah, that was, oh man, it's so confusing to put the pieces together now. Because <laughs> they, to, they were trying to get that ensemble cast going and then they slowly introduce, which I guess was okay, they slowly introduce how they're all connected, mostly connected through the pastor. Mm-hmm. which that was a weird side story as well. Yeah, I I had a really difficult time throughout the movie understanding how they were actually connected the different storylines. Um so the Dean King character is related to the wife of the professor, the um, girlfriend, right? The girlfriend, that's right, girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Um, former student girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah. And, like there's there's so so many like oh, I don't know how else to say it, but you know like little silly clichés about who these people are. But yeah, I just, nowhere do I feel compelled to care about any of the characters, you know, even, I mean, so the acting helps or whatever for that, hopefully, or maybe good writing would get there. I didn't understand how people were connected and why it mattered that they were connected other than the fact that they are, you know, portraying some particular stereotype or some particular 
you know, gimmick. It really did feel like these are characters from like little tracks or whatever, like the old Christian tracks. And they take in a story that fit on five or six frames and made an entire movie out of it. Um, and then just, you know, expanded characters with really bad stereotypes. Yeah. Even the, the, the Muslim thing that got me the most is, so I, I don't know, maybe it's because the dad sees that it's Franklin Graham, but it was, I think it, like what they highlight in the movie is that it shows it's like First Corinthians or something, you know, she's reading the Bible. Oh no. I'm pretty sure that Muslims find the Bible to be a holy book. <laughs> like, I don't think he would be like disappointed <laughs> that his daughter was reading or he listening to some, you know, religious book. I think they... They actually think of the Bible as more reverent than than most Christians do, you know, like, you know, put that on the floor or things like that. So there's some serious holes in the logic that went along. It just kind of undergirded the reality that whoever is writing this has a very narrow, narrow view, um, or at least is, you know, has a very simple message. So there, there's a phrase that I think the main kind of character is when he's kind of wrestling with whether or not he's going to stand up to his professor and he's talking with the pastor and asking you know, and who does he even go to that church? I have no idea how he is. I, I had the same question. I was like, what is going on here? Is this here? the campus like chapel? Because he, but, if he's this committed Christian, isn't he connected somewhere at the church? And, he's not. <laughs> and then you give, you don't get the impression that he's connected to this pastor, but then later like they're texting. So I don't understand. Yeah. yeah it was weird. It was bizarre. Him and Reverend Dave are pretty tight from what yeah, it seemed like. I guess so. so. So Reverend Dave looks at him and in response to something, he basically says, it's not easy, but it's simple. And I just felt like that is like my sense of the theology of the Christianity of the world that is understood by the writers or by the, you know, by the marketing folks or something for this movie is that that's, that's their theology. You know, it's not easy to be a Christian, but it's simple. All you have to do is say, God's not dead, text to somebody. And that's it. That's the extent of being a Christian. Mm. Cause there was no, the other problem that I have with the movie is there's no portrayal of what it, what does it mean to be a Christian? It means like there's, I mean, he doesn't even go to church apparently. Um, I guess he reads his Bible. So you have reading the Bible and going to visit the pastor uh, when you have a really difficult problem. But other than that, there was no positive uh, information to me. Basically, it felt like being a Christian means not accepting your atheist professors, you know, standing up against that. But otherwise, his life looked absolutely no different in the movie than any of the other characters. Um, Well, yeah, especially all the Christians, like from from an evangelical standpoint, like you had one of the main Christians being connected to the professor who when they got together they knew he knew she was christian but she was also his student and they're living together i presume it's hard to tell i think they i think those kind of issues they kind of glide over because they didn't want to get in trouble or whatever and then you have you know the secret christian and the the muslim girl you then you have the chinese asian student Mm -hmm. who's occasionally texting his dad or talking to his dad on the phone about the conversation that's happening in the class about God and you don't really get the sense on why he's so upset. I think just because he's some kind of official in China and they're communists. So they hate God. Like, I don't understand. They never really established why his dad would be against God in any way, shape or form. I did like another on the positive side for production value. Whenever the kid is texting his dad, it's like night where he is and it's day where his dad is. So at least they paid attention to some like time zone stuff. That's true. I didn't think of that. that. Yeah, it seemed like they were just portraying faith and Christianity as just, as just some intellectual thing that you believe in. And in that way, it, it doesn't seem very different from the atheism that the professor professes. Um, but yeah, it, there was no, like you said, Adam, there was no deeper aspect of it, of no positive portrayal of what does it look like to 
to live this out in your life besides saying that you believe and and talking to Reverend Dave. Yeah. So let me let me see if I can get this straight. So we have the main character who is standing up for God, who in the beginning says, I feel like I need to defend God, which was weird. And he has a girlfriend who I, I assumed that they are trying to portray that she is not submissive, which is why they break up, because she's saying just sign the paper that say you don't believe in God so you can get on with the class and get a good grade. Because if you don't get a good grade in philosophy, your whole law career is ruined. That's right. That's right. Is that kind of what I'm thinking that happened there? That's how I understand college to work. Yeah, exactly. I mean, one bad class ruins your entire career. Yeah. And then he is having this argument with his girlfriend in the cafeteria, who that argument is overheard by the 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 girl from the Muslim family. And that's how that's kind of that pays off later when she's like, I saw you arguing and you're the one that stood up for God, which we'll get to the end in a second because that was super strange. And when he's struggling, he goes to this random church, we presume, um, that looks very like Catholic or Episcopalian, yeah. but is very run by line. an evangelical pastor. Like, yeah. I don't understand that connection either. Um and he tells him, you know, read the Bible and stand up for God and, and God will stand up for you, that that whole passage. And then only come to find out that later the Muslim girl, when she's kicked out of their house, goes to his church. And then the Christian girl who's dating the professor goes to his church. And then the concert, which they're the whole underlying is that they're planning a Newsboys concert, right? Newsboys is everywhere. Mm-hmm. The main character is wearing the Newsboys t-shirt. They have, he has a Newsboys poster. He met his girlfriend at a Newsboys concert and they were going to celebrate their anniversary with Newsboys tickets. And, uh, so then the girl that's dating the professor who has a brother who is a corporate douche who was Superman, Dean Kane, and they have a mom who has Alzheimer's, which never really pays off all that well in the film. Um, and then Dean Kane is connected to his girlfriend who in the process of it, I think she runs a blog where she attacks Christianity. Yeah, um, and, yeah. and uh, meat eaters, I think. But when yeah. she was writing her story, she was listening to Christian music, which I didn't understand yeah. why she was doing that. Like, does that fuel her hate? Um, and she was connected with Dean Kane as a younger girlfriend. And then when she finds out she has cancer, <laughs> Dean's like, hey, whatever. We had a good time. And then <laughs> walks out. And then she interviews the guy from Duck Dynasty and is really, really mean. And then later goes to the Newsboys concert where the Newsboys bring her to Jesus. And then somehow the world finds out about this whole thing with the atheist and the boy, and it's set at the concert. Which, did any of you expect when they got the guy from Duck Dynasty on the screen saying, we just heard that there was a guy in there who, who whose professor said God's not dead, and he stood up for God, but well, I'm excited to tell you, and I thought he was going to say that that professor is dead. <laughs> like, oh, like, yeah, spoiler alert, because he dies at the end. It just felt weird that like that was that was going on. So yeah, the spoiler, well, this whole thing, yeah. full of spoilers. Uh, but yeah, the professor dies in the end, and... The whole subplot beyond this is it keeps cutting to the pastor with his other pastor friend. They're trying to go to an amusement park They're together. They're trying to go to Disneyland. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which is <laughs> super strange. that's what any like missionary who's, you know, from Africa wants to do. They want to come to America and enjoy Disneyland. Yeah. Yeah. So they go into the car and it doesn't start. And then they get a rental car and that doesn't start. And then the next car doesn't start. So it was God keeping them there just so he could be at the accident, not to save the guy from not dying, but just to be there to lead him to Jesus before he dies. And again, I thought for a split second, he was actually going to run over. Yeah. It would only have been better if it had actually been the pastor that hit the guy. Because then it was God setting them up. That would have been beautiful. That would have been 
that would have been awesome, Full. That's a word I yeah. like to use. Nice. So then when he's leading the professor to God, and if you're listening and you're confused, don't worry because <laughs> I'm a little confused retelling this. When he is leading him to Christ, he says, take a chance. Are you willing to take the chance? And I was like, what chance? He's literally going to die in two seconds. What is <laughs> I don't understand. It was so weird. At the concert, meanwhile, this is happening because he, because... <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. I'm, I'm kind of taking over. I just, Dude, I'm all worked fine. up about this plot. But Preach, he, brother. he, when he finally has sort of a revelation that he wants to go find his girlfriend, he looks on his desk and sees today's newspaper. And the headline of the newspaper is that Newsboys, are <laughs> concert is going. So I think he figures, oh, Newsboys are playing. That's where all the Christians are going to be. <laughs> so he runs. I better get down there. He runs over because he wants to talk to his girlfriend and then gets hit by a car. So then it cuts back to the concert after he dies. That's when the Duck Dynasty guy comes on screen and says, text everyone, God's not dead. There's a thousand people in this. Everyone does 10 people. Then all these people are going to hear Jesus or whatever. And then the pastor and the missionary are standing over the dead body and they pick up his phone and they read the text and it says, God's not dead. And they, they, they laugh and they, they, like, they look at each other and they're like, yeah. they're like, this is sad, but we need to celebrate. <laughs> Just, really good. I I was so uncomfortable watching that scene. I felt like I was watching a Christian snuff film. It was not good to watch at all. I did not feel good at in any part of my soul. Yeah, it's like a really bad Mentos commercial. Yeah. Like, you know, like at the end, you're just like, hey, it's okay. <laughs> that was the thing that I mean, it was the it was the missionary, right, who said this this is not a time to, you know, mourn. This is a celebration. This is a celebration. Because yeah. apparently he's just said the magic words that will change everything about his life yeah also he apparently has superpowers because after kevin sorbo's character was hit by the car he goes over to him and touches him and after half a second realizes oh his lungs are filling up with blood he's gonna die soon yeah Which I thought uh, was. <laughs> he was very specific about this yeah. guy's medical condition even though he looked fine like how, how many people have you hit with the car man maybe dean kane transferred his superman powers and oh, then he used yeah, his yeah. x-ray vision on the body to know exactly what was happening because he knew that he would die within a couple minutes. <laughs> so in his last minutes, you know, don't don't clear the crowd. Don't make room for the hospital or no. the ambulance coming. Just, you know, get in the guy's face and try to get him to say a prayer. Yeah. And everyone's standing around riveted. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's mob mentality. Okay. So clearly we didn't like the movie. You know, <laughs> there is on one that. other thing. There is one other thing that I'll say that he got right. Is that the... Uh, the guy in ministry can't pay for his car to be fixed. That's, I think, yeah. true. <laughs> and no, can get no one in the congregation to come and help him out. Yeah. That's right. The church is constantly just empty with one person. It's like there for, for something. Just the one, the one secretary. Yeah. All right. So another thing. <laughs> so the, the, the girl or the woman that had cancer, the woman that finds out she has cancer, there's one scene that was really awkward because She's, she's, when she's first diagnosed, she, she's portrayed as this up and coming corporate person and she's given the diagnosis and she kind of, well, I don't have time for cancer, da, da, da. So it's clearly affecting her. And then she goes to the restaurant and Dean can breaks up with her. But then they have at one point a montage where she's getting scanned and doing all that stuff. But then there was this one random scene where again, the, the filming of it felt really gross and disturbing where she's you see her in her gown her hospital gown and she's sitting in the doctor's office and she's just standing there looking sad and the doctor comes in you don't see his face he just just his back and it says are you ready do you want anyone here and she's like no 
And then like it closes the door. Like literally like every film that I've ever seen where there is like a college rape, this is how they filmed it. You know, like the, the doctor walks in and then they close the door and then you're like, what's going on in there? They've already diagnosed her. It was really weird. It's creepy. Oh yeah. man. There, there, I mean, I just, I think there are a number of places in the film or the movie that you're watching and going, wait, what? Why? What's, or just, ugh. or I don't know. I felt really disturbed. I mean, I tried to watch it all in one sitting and I couldn't really <laughs> pause multiple times and then come back. It was, it was bad. And I mean, I think that's clear. We don't, we don't, we don't really care for it. One of, the, one of the things that bugs me the most, and I think we're going to talk in a minute about like uh, portrayal of atheism, but like it had such a, like the whole film had this sense of us versus them. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the entire portrayal of Christianity in America is it's us and they, they want us to not, you know, there's this clear they that are oppressing us somehow by making us sign a piece of paper. Um, I think that this very simple mindset that I think is why it's so appealing. You know, this thing has incredible ratings on um, Amazon. This is what in the conservative wor- Christian world, the evangelical world is just, you know, fodder for the masses <laughs> because it just is this simple message over and over of they want to take, they want to hurt us. And that was what was frustrating for me about the whole movie is that that's such a strong dynamic constantly of us versus them, but zero content on what it is we're actually losing other than some in, some intellectual you know acceptance of something or not. There's nothing else. And it was just so frustrating. I don't know. I, it, it, it makes me sick. <laughs> I think I just keep coming back to what we were talking about earlier of how it, it paints uh, faith so one-sidedly there's no mention of what Christians are are losing in in the culture, or uh, there's no mention of of what does it look like to to live out your your faith in a way that is that goes beyond just verbally saying yes, I'm a Christian and I don't agree with you. There's nothing productive about how it portrays Christianity. I don't think. Yeah, Dylan, that, that's made me think. Like the line is, "Will you be aligned with Christianity?" under the guise of, do you like believe in God or not? Mm. Like the, the entire thing is, are you going to align with this particular culture that goes to newsboys concerts and eats meat all the time and loves duck dynasty and church or, you know, and these silly kind of jokes or, um, you know, whatever it, it's more about like, yeah, will you stand up for this particular culture? And if you if you don't know anything about evangelicalism and you watch the movie, you still know nothing about evangelicalism or about theology or about God or Jesus or how things are connected. There's no message about Christianity other than we need to defend ourselves against the rest. Yeah. And that's so infuriating. This is what's, the, I think, the frustrating is it made so much money. I mean, right? It made over $60 million. Yeah. Um, well, on $2 million, million, $2 million budget, $60 million. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe that's not a ton of money, but, you know, for their profit margin was huge. In some ways, I feel like that's just the disgustingness of capitalism and people taking the opportunity over, you know, a very particular demographic saying, here you go. Here's everything you want to hear in a really dumbed down package message. And it sells like hotcakes. Yeah. And it's clear that they like there's no pretense of this being like art or just a story in the end when they have the the concert audience text their friends that God's not dead. Then the movie closes with saying you join the movement now mm-hmm. and text someone that God's not dead. And then right after that, they say here are a list of court cases that was inspired this movie. And it lists all these court cases that Christians have touted as these people are against Christianity and against God. And it's a horrible gross misrepresentation of people who don't believe in God or not even people who don't believe in God, but people who aren't 
evangelical Christians. Because if you go through all of those court cases, they're all having to do with some of the stuff that we saw in North Carolina earlier last year about the Christians not wanting to serve people that are homosexual or that are gay. There are more civil right issues than anything else. And there hasn't been a court case where someone gets in trouble or is hated for believing in Jesus. The closest thing that you can get from any of those court cases is someone like relentlessly pushing on people in a workplace, like giving them books and telling them about Jesus and all that kind of stuff, like outright, not even evangelizing. What's the, what's the word? Uh, Prostel- proselytizing. Proselytizing, yeah. yeah. It, it was, it's just a, it's a really bad misrepresentation. At the very least, a bad misrepresentation. Or on the other end, not even a desire to find out the other side and what their point of view is and find out what their real criticism is. It's almost in a presumed criticism that they mm-hmm. put on them. I think along with that, another thing that bugged me was just the the separateness that it advocated for being a Christian. You know, if you're a Christian, we have these Christian rock groups that you can listen to, these Christian philosophers that you can listen to, and these Christian movies you can go see. But it's it's not separateness in, I think, a way that, that is biblical. It's separateness just for the sake of not being apart or engaging with the culture. It's not being countercultural in a way. It's just another subset of of the culture, which is to consume these these larger quote Christian things. Yeah. And did anyone else feel like, cause one of the predominant kind of themes is that obviously this guy has to present at the end of every class. So he's on top of his homework. He needs to, he's getting tired because he's putting all of his effort into trying to research all this stuff. But he did his whole thing with PowerPoint, and it was really good PowerPoint. I felt like if he spent less time making it look so good, <laughs> he might not have been so tired. It was like, yeah, really high definition videos, full screen. It was good. I was like, man, how did he do that? He used Keynote, Jeff. <laughs> I guess so. It was really well done. And you know, if his academic career gets ruined, he'll have some uh, video editing to fall back on. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's how he's connected to the church, as he does the church's sermon PowerPoint slide. <laughs> I don't think there was a projector. I don't think so either. It's so weird. There's I still, still look overhead. at that. Yeah. Still bugs oh, me. Man. So I think this, obviously, the central plot is centered around the student and the atheist professor, which in of itself is pretty stereotypical. Because when at the climax of the film is the last conversation, and they've set it up to where the professor opened the class saying, you need to sign this paper and don't believe in God so we can get that out of the way and get to the real stuff. This young man couldn't do that. So the professor says, okay, then you get to prove your case in front of the class at the half hour for three classes, whatever. I will decide whether your argument is valid. And the boy's like, well, maybe the class should be the jury and I'll be the defense and you be the prosecution or whatever. And he says, fine. So he has to convince the class that God's not dead. So throughout the, so it leads to the last presentation. And this time he really has a back and forth with the professor and he pushes him and he pushes him and he pushes him. He says, why do you hate God? And he says, I hate God because of this, da, 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 da. And then the whole like climax, the profound moment is the Christian student saying, how can you hate something that you don't believe exists? <laughs> You're just kind of like all that for that, really. And then that leads to everyone standing up led by the Asian student. God's not dead. God's not dead. And it was this victorious thing. But then you find out throughout the course of that, that why is this professor so angry with God? Because again, all atheists, right? They hate God and hate the world and they can't do anything good. Because that was another theme, right? Morality is exclusive to Christianity is the sense that I got. Mm -hmm. Um, But you find out that at 12, this boy's mother died. And he, at that point he was a Christian. And then later he, he, I can't tell if the letter that he read from his mom after she died was something that he just decided to open or it's something that he read on a regular basis. But I kind of got the impression that 
years later, now that he's in his 50s or whatever, that he's finally deciding to read this letter. And it's a letter of, I hope that you follow God from his mom. What Did you guys get the impression that it was something he has read or something he finally decided to read? I couldn't figure it out. I, I think, yes. Yeah, I thought, okay, so he stumbles on this. And then from that, he that's when he decides to go to the like the concert yeah right which was like and i had no idea what his motivation was there like oh is he is he trying to reconcile does he i guess he now believes because a student yeah they never got that i don't think he does because then he had to be oh right that's what i'm saying is like it's that's kind of a key thing the letter to know where it was because it was obviously something he's had because it was in his desk drawer it's not something he found at home cleaning an old box so it was something that, and they didn't establish that there was a letter that exists anywhere up until this point in the movie, except for when he talked about how his mother died. But he's kind of like, he's kind of like the worst Batman, right? Like he's still in his fifties and worried about his parents' death from when he was 12 years old. Like he's, <laughs> he's still got some like serious psychological issues that, anyway, that's a side note. Nice. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's kind of like, I, I didn't understand that. And that's, that seems like it would be kind of key if that's the central part of what you're trying to accomplish here. I mean, overall, right, the, this portrayal of atheism is, like everything else in the movie, very, you know, two-dimensional, cardboard, um, and ultimately false because he's not an atheist. Deep down, he's, I mean, he, maybe he's claiming to be, but he's someone who is, you know, is someone who has a faith that was really hurt or destroyed when he was young, but, you know, has harbored this resentment the whole time. I mean, that may be the story for some people who are atheists, but it's certainly not from the people that I know, at least, the story of all atheists. Yeah, it's not even the dominating story. And that's the problem, is it presents as, presents it as, this is how atheists are. And honestly, I don't know about you guys, but growing up in youth group, that's how I was presented atheists are. Absolutely. I would definitely agree with that. I think one of the biggest things that I was surprised about going to college is that there I never met once any antagonistic atheist that was as angry or upset at Christians as uh, this guy was in, in the movie. He was comically upset at the at the Christian kid in the class, which I thought was pretty funny. I think that portrayal allows then for people to demonize. Absolutely. You know, it, it, so, I mean, that's clearly the point. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I mean, both Dylan and I have worked, even overlapped for a while in the same um, ministry to campus students. Um, so I feel like we have a little bit of experience <laughs> with the college. And both of us, I think, have had experience with um, both families or other people who, you know, they know someone or church that's sending a kid to the college and they're just, there's this fear, you know, that, oh my gosh, you know, maybe they've been reading these emails that, about professors or whatever. And they're so afraid that professors are going to slam their faith and destroy. I seriously know no one that's, that's, you know, that has that experience. I mean, I had one professor when I was a student who, you know, maybe made fun of Christianity a little bit, but made fun of the parts that were funny, like, or dumb. Um, like, had, he had a valid arguments. Like this movie. Yeah, right? <laughs> um, I would say less than less than nine months. It was probably like six months ago. Um, I was in a meeting with students on campus that were part of our Christian group. And a student from the atheist club had come to sit through. He sat through in like an hour and a half of this meeting. I felt horrible for the guy, like... And at the end, you know, wanted to give an announcement and basically invited us, the students that were there, the leadership team, to participate with him and his club. Um, I can't remember what they're called, but I think they're called the Happy Atheist Group or something like that. That's an oxymoron. That doesn't exist. Yeah, you can't have those. But, you know, they were, they were wanting to do this very, uh, like, to raise money for this amazing, you know, for, like, homelessness or something um, here in San Luis Obispo. I can't remember what it was. 
Um, but anyway, something like that. And they were willing to partner with us because they thought it was valuable enough to, to address this cause and thought, hey, you people clearly care about this. Why don't we join forces even though we, we disagree? Um, I mean, so they were going out of their way to connect with us. Um, so I just, I feel like, man, it's such a sad portrayal of the other as this atheist. And, you know, so it doesn't do a good job of it, but that's not accurate in any way. And it hasn't been my experience encountering atheists. And I think it's, it's portrayal of atheism is maybe 20 or 30 years old. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't think you'll run into any professor that's talking about things that this guy is talking about because it's, it's not postmodern. It's not the college culture anymore. Yeah. I think it's more of like people are against anyone, regardless of whether they're atheist or Christian, anyone who's a fundamentalist in mm-hmm. their field that mm-hmm. isn't willing to hear or be a part of the other side at all. Absolutely. I would definitely agree with that. And my experience has been that college campus is the place where people are the most open, mm-hmm. like may- maybe not ready to commit to one thing. Maybe that's the, the other end of the spectrum is that Willie, the, the, the campuses, our students are very unwilling to commit to anything, um, but they are so open to hear anything. I've just, I've interacted with so many students on campus who I know in talking with them have no a prior necessarily experience with, with Christianity, um, but are definitely open to hearing stories about, well, tell me what it's like and willing to share what their experiences is um, with their own spirituality. Because it got such great reception and became one of those things that churches bought to show their youth groups or even to have movie nights with, um, it's reinforcing a very you know false stereotype about about life in general but also i mean it's damaging for students or for you know kids in high school or younger who are going to be headed off to college like you know well that's the problem is that with that they escape any kind of faith whatsoever because it was presented to them growing up as this or that i remember being in meetings with youth pastors for the domination i used to be a part of and, you know, it's a down and the biggest, the biggest conversation among youth pastors and churches was how do we keep our students going to church when they go off to college? Uh, because, you know, they had at the time, I'm not sure what the statistics are now, but, you know, the 18 to 30 year old gap where people leave the church and then maybe they come back in their early 30s when they've had their kids and their family and all that kind of stuff. And it was always like, we need to provide an apologetics class. We need to make sure they go to the denominations university if they go to a good Christian college, da 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 da, da. Which if you're not going to be in ministry, Christian colleges, it's silly to pay that much more money for a school that's way less qualified to teach you things that are practical than, you know, the, the state college or the community college down the road. But all these conversations were centered around the fact that our version of equipping them for that scenario is to give them all the ways in which the things that they're going to see are wrong and bad, as opposed to how do we, now that they're moving into critical thinking as adolescents, how do we give them agency in themselves to be able to maneuver through what we've provided them and then create their own way and expand what we believe as opposed to like even more aggressively narrowing it before they go into that place. And then it's presented to them as it's all or nothing. And then they want to leave. I've had several conversations with students who have graduated my ministry and feel like they want some sort of spiritual connection, but they feel like because they've evolved and they believe different things politically or theologically or whatever, that because they believe those things, they are now disqualified because of the rhetoric they grew up with from even participating in something that resembles the spirituality they grew up with. And the, and the movie helps emphasize that as well, right? I mean, if, yeah. if you, basically, if you don't line up with people who agree with Duck Dynasty being awesome um, with meat, apparently. You know, it's like if you're a vegetarian, if you have any kind of quasi-liberal political leaning, if you're willing to engage in actual conversation with people from other religions, from other backgrounds, um, 
that's all bad. We don't have to go here, but it just it's it's clear that this movie makes sense given where we are even at politically. You know, it just fits with this mentality of of fear of us against them again. It's it's really disturbing. It is. Well, and not only that, but anytime someone that disagreed with Christianity approached the subject, they did it in a snarky, mean way. Like when that mm-hmm. re- when the the girl who eventually got cancer approaches the duck dynasty people she's really rude about it like yeah oh she makes these insinuations about his wife you know being barefoot and pregnant and like th- that mentality of prepare yourself because anyone that has a differing view from you is going to come at you with with vicious venom and they're going to like attack you and they're not going to have a real conversation I, I i don't know psychologically i feel like it's the we're projecting our own like christian reality onto the other people you know because it's yeah. always the christians that are usually you know the more coming at with snarky comebacks or, well, here's my answer that solves everything. You know, the, the way that I've experienced that world, Christianity, um, looks and sounds more like all the negative characters in that movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. like there's this, you know, well, let's just put that on them. Well, I think we've covered a lot from this movie. Uh, any, any final thoughts, anything that you want to bring up before we, we close? I, I had an idea for you. With the exact same plot. I mean, the sen- not the plot, but the setup. So, Atheist Professor, what would be the more optimal, you know, version of that movie? Good question. What would be our, how would we redeem this? How would we resurrect <laughs> That's right. with the power of Jesus this, this basic plot line? I'm thinking in terms of Community, the TV show, where instead of concentrating on the overall class, you have a professor who is atheist. I guess that's going to be the whole thing. The, the plot doesn't become about the professor and the student, but the professor becomes a catalyst for the students to connect. So you have this, the professor is kind of like a side character where it'll cut to what he says, but then it'll cut back to like, instead of going to the class, we'll get a study group of diverse people like in community, yeah, right? Yeah. So yeah. with a more dramatic edge. So where they can talk about these issues that the professor is bringing about, and then everyone else is kind of wild character. So it becomes like a, like a community 12 angry men scenario where it's more about like this group of people. And then the conversation can be more layered so they can dip between the philosophical and the personal. And then you're actually getting to know the person mm-hmm. along with what things, and then you're left with, Oh, maybe even like, I'm thinking like the like closing scene is like, they just turn off the thing and nothing's really resolved. But the real point was that they all got to know each other and they appreciated the people for who they were and not what they believed. That's how I'm thinking. I would, I would frame this basic scenario. I like that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and then that leads to actual character development in a movie where the Christian student realizes, hey, there's some overlap here. Like some of the stuff that this person believes, um, that's a good thing. Yes. And I, what does that mean now that I have to wrestle with the fact that this person believes some things that I totally agree with, but did not have the same background or don't aren't going to land in the same place? Uh, might learn that Islam has a lot of beautiful things. And then him having to wrestle with, well, what do I do with that fact? That I still, of course, have this core central belief about who Jesus is and about what God is doing in the world. But almost like then his experience of God becomes much bigger to see like, well, wow, how is, you know. Yeah, because the premise of this movie is supposed to be about like exploring these issues. And I feel like you can do that well in a dialogue movie and then use images from the school setting to kind of amplify that. And if someone has to die, which is stupid that the professor died in this, by the way. I just want to say that. It's so... It's dumb. It is dumb. Stupid plot point. It's a a youth group sermon, right? Like every youth group sermon end with, if you die tonight, are you going to accept Jesus and all that stuff? So if someone had to die, then I'm thinking someone in the group dies in the process of this getting to know, and then that ends the element of how they connect, and then how, when that death happens, 
Not that it's the most important thing now for you to believe what you're going to believe, but when that death happens, the most important thing is not what you believe, but the people that you're connected with. Yeah. Yeah. It could be like the, the ending scene could be like a few. So let's say it was the Muslim woman. Um, I, I wouldn't want the Muslim person to die, but it's maybe somebody from a different religion and he has to go to like a ceremony that's not necessarily a Christian ceremony. Um, yeah. And to see how well the community follows, or even just the particular people that are in that study group or the, you know, the community atmosphere, um, they all, like he's, to be able to see God in other people. Because to me, the whole idea of God's not dead, you know, other than the song saying, no, God's alive in me or something like that. I can't remember. It was stuck in my head for too long. Thankfully, it's not there anymore. But there, the, like I was saying earlier, there's no like positive message though. So there's the negative. I mean, the, you know, the title gives it away. It's, it's all in reaction too, but there's no like, well, what is God, what is God even doing? Like God is not present in the entire movie. It doesn't seem like. And so to be able to have this great group that comes together and for the Christian student to realize like, wow, God is active in this person's life. And God is, you know, I'm seeing God in this person and, and this expression, that would, that would be beautiful um, to actually then you would have a, oh yeah, God is alive in these ways or that way. Let's script it then. We're going to script it. it. Dylan, you got anything to add to that particular, you can just, we can just build on each other here. I don't have a separate idea. I have a couple different ideas for two different ways that this, this movie could have been a little bit better. I think one aspect I would have liked to see is how it would explore the main character. I think Josh was his name, how he comes to find out that doubt is a big part of faith and he figures out how to, how to reconcile with, with doubt and figures out how to reconcile with these other narratives that, that don't agree with what some of Christianity's key claims are. Uh, I think that would have been a more moving and engaging uh, example because we don't get to see a lot of yeah. that in this film. We don't get to see a lot of his internal struggle or what he, how he grows in his understanding of, of God and how to live in the world. Yeah, because even when he's confronted by the atheist, he's never his faith has never phased his mm-hmm. only only his reaction of like, oh man, I'm not winning. Yeah, that's good because there's there's like doubt is almost looked like a weakness in this. There's no room for doubt in this movie at all. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that's good. I like that. Yeah. So I've been reading this Peter Rollins book, and uh, what he says is that if you if you really follow Jesus to the cross, his the ultimate place that he ended up was in this place where Jesus lost his faith on the cross. Essentially, when he cried out, "My God, My God, why have you forsaken me?" And so I would love to have that been explored a little bit more. And I think the other film that I would like to see this be turned into would probably have just about the exact same script, but it would be a an amazing satire a la Stephen Colbert and the Colbert Report. As I was watching it, I was like, is this, is this satire? No, no, they're completely serious. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It really wouldn't take much. Yeah. Maybe you could just re-edit it. Yeah. Actually. That's brilliant. I yeah. love that. Like the scary movie of Christian movies. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's do it. Let's make it happen. That's what we just call it. The Christian movie, right? Yeah. yeah. That's it. Oh my god. That's goodness. brilliant. Oh, that would be great. They should do it. Yeah, we should. We can have all the forms of crazy Christianity. Yeah. Well, and just like Colbert, character. there would probably be a ton of people that weren't really in on the joke. Yeah. You know? <laughs> that was amazing. And you should show this at your church. Oh, my goodness. That would be like the ultimate victory, right? Yeah. <laughs> it would be. <laughs> Everyone that's goes true. home happy. <laughs> oh, that's great. I suppose you could interpret it if we want to. We'll just interpret this movie as a sarcastic satire. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's done a little too well, in my opinion. It is. Especially since, like, the unifying factor, like, the thing that brings everyone together is the newsboys. Yeah. Like, which in of itself is a metaphor for, like, the inbred nature of evangelical Christianity, right? Because, right? like, <laughs> talk the newsboys now are basically, like, DC talk and the newsboys. Yeah. And it's this, like... 
it's it's it, it it highlights that closed culture which if you were satiring like newsboys would be perfect. the perfect thing to bring everyone together because that's a representation of how, oh man Absolutely. how things just cycle around again do you do either of you have any other movies you would recommend instead of this one well i can tell you right off that it wouldn't come from a quote-unquote christian studio mm-hmm. right yeah <laughs> okay this is a throwback for a long a, a long time ago um and you guys can go ahead and laugh at me and tear it apart if you want. But there was a movie called The Fourth Wiseman with Martin Sheen, I believe. So really good actor. And it's all about how he's like the fourth guy out of the three wise men. So he's going to go see Jesus's birth, but he never gets there um, because he stops on the side of the road to Jerusalem or wherever, or to Nazareth or who knows where he's going and ends up like working and living with the like this leper colony, essentially. And it's his whole life doing that and like always just missing, like when the Messiah is coming by, you know, and Jesus like grows up and all this stuff happens. And he's like just outside of it um, the whole time. And I think maybe at the end, right before he dies, I think he goes blind at some point. I think he actually meets Jesus or something in real life, but gets it. But it's like his whole mission of like, here's the point of what you should be connected to gets thwarted by actually doing the work of like caring for people. It's an older movie and it's set in Jesus's time. But uh, I think it is this really cool portrayal. Nice. I would say there's a movie. It was an, it was actually an HBO movie, I think. And it's called The Sunset Limited. And it's with Samuel L. Jackson and Tommy Lee Jones. It opens with Tommy Lee Jones, who is a professor, laying down in front of a train. He's getting ready to kill himself. And Samuel L. Jackson plays, I think he's just like a worker at the rail yard or whatever. And Samuel L. Jackson saves him before he dies. Tommy Lee Jones' character is really upset with him. And they end up back in Samuel L. Jackson's apartment. And basically the whole movie is the two of them talking in their apartment about life and death and God. And it is, it's deep. It brings in the the amazing character development. It simplifies all the, the junk and messiness of this movie where you have all these side stories and everything. It is one of my favorite movies of all time, especially if we're thinking in terms of like a philosophical, theological movie. I highly recommend checking it out. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. And then I'll also, if you have HBO Go, I know that it's on there, um, but it's the Sunset Limited. Really, really good movie. I'll have to check that out. It's been on my list for a while to to watch. I have several, a handful. I'm only going to give one in hopes that uh, that'll get me on the next episode of the movie review <laughs> podcast. Um, but one that I absolutely love is called Calvary. It's directed by John McDonough. Oh, that's a good one. And it, <laughs> I knew you were going to say this one. Yeah, uh, it is by far one of the most beautiful and heart-wrenching films I've seen in a long time. In short, it's a modern-day retelling of the last week of Jesus' life. Go go see it and make sure there's some Kleenex next to you. I almost said that same movie. Did you? Yes. Yeah. Oh, it was on there. So I knew good. you were going to couldn't do it. <laughs> Brendan Gleeson, right? Yeah. So yeah. amazing. Brendan and Chris O'Dowd is in it. Chris O'Dowd. Yeah. I mean, come on. So good. Good recommendation. recommendation. (laughs) All right. Well, let us know what you think. If you have anything to add to this conversation, um, you can comment on the show notes at arenacast.com slash 82.5. So this is a a 0.5 episode, bonus episode. Um, And let us know if you like this. There is a sequel to this. so And they just greenlit a third part. So this could be a trilogy. And let us know if there's other movies you'd like to do this. We wanted to give this a try. And if you like what you hear, we could throw these out every month or so. Um, And you can give a suggestion for Christian films to watch. We will suffer through for you, the listener. (laughs) And don't forget, today is International Podcast Day. And the best way that you can support your favorite podcast, whether it's this one or another one, is rate, comment, review. Let whoever creates that podcast know that you appreciate what they do because it is 
such a fun thing to do, but there is a lot of work behind the scenes. I, I have like three podcasters that I'm going to reach out to and let know that I appreciate their work because I know how hard it can be behind the scenes. So do something to celebrate podcasts today. Thanks for joining us for this bonus episode. I'm Jeff. I'm Adam. I'm Dylan. Thanks for joining our conversion conversation review. We should It should be different than the regular one, right? Yeah, yeah. Thanks for joining the... Thanks for putting up with our critique. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. Everyone have a good day. Thank you.